Hey, fam. Welcome to Free Trails coverage of the 2024 Black Canyon 100K, one of the most exciting and most competitive trail races ever to take place on North American soil. The 11th running of this rugged and challenging point-to-point course outside Phoenix, Arizona. Free Trail will be here doing some pre and post race coverage in partnership with our friends at Hoka, the presenting sponsor of the Black Canyon 100K and the entire golden ticket race series where runners will compete for their chance to take part in the legendary Western States 100 later this summer. You'll hear more from Hoka in the show, but make sure you visit Hoka.com to check out their entire line of trail products. Obviously, you must also tune into the Mountain Outpost YouTube channel to watch the race on Saturday. I'll be out on the course, but you better believe I will be streaming all day and engaging in the chat whenever possible. Thank you all for tuning into our coverage this weekend. Make sure you follow Free Trail on Instagram also for updates throughout the weekend. Enjoy the kickoff to the 2024 racing season. Let's go. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Trailgating. Day two here of Free Trails coverage of the 2024 Black Canyon 100K. And this, our prediction show. And as you see, the sun has returned to the desert southwest of Phoenix, Arizona. My name is Dylan Bowman, joined again today by my fantastic co-host, Corinne Malcolm. Corinne, good morning. Good morning, good morning. Matt Daniels, how you doing, sir? I'm great, man. Here we are. It is officially Black Canyon Eve. Are we getting excited? Did we get any sleep last night? Speaking for myself, that answer is no. I've been up since 4 a.m. Jacked, jazzed, caffeinated. I got a run in. We've been toggling our fantasy ballots all day already today. How are you guys doing? Did you get some sleep last night? I got sleep and then I came here to toggle, toggle with my ballot and the anxiety is rising in me for what will surely be just an absolutely incredible race. Yeah. I got sleep, but that's only because I'm hundred percent confident in my picks for today. So, um, I'm feeling good and I'm like, I'm so stoked for this. <laughs> it's true. I mean, it's so underrated, like the level of quality of sleep you get when your fantasy ballot is just like top notch, you know, when you have confidence in your ballot, that's when you get the deep REM and it's reflected in your HRV scores. That's for sure. <laughs> anyway, Today, we are going to be doing sort of a prediction show. So obviously, go to fantasy.freetrail.com, get your predictions in. We got about 21 hours until picks close at 7 a.m. tomorrow, which is the time that they will depart Mayor High School to start the 2024 Black Canyon 100K. Uh, We're going to get to that sort of in the back half of the show. So we're all going to be sort of making our predictions for how tomorrow's race is going to evolve. But there are some rabbit holes that we avoided yesterday that I figured we could dive down here this morning. And the first thing that I wanted to sort of touch on with you two especially is just sort of the meta conversation about the level of athletes in the sport right now. And there's a couple of examples that have come to mind to me recently in interactions with some of the top pros in our sport who are going to be racing this weekend. Love to get any uh, reactions from you guys and also some examples from you guys and given the proximity of the sport and the fact that you're too high-level athletes still in the primes of your careers, but the examples that come to mind for me is like Hayden Hawks, right? Dude is such a pro. He's been in the game for a while. He's a grizzled veteran, but he's such a, yeah, he's a committed professional. And an example of that is traveling down here to Arizona from his home in Utah to do a full training camp weekend 
in which he actually did simulation dress rehearsal crew transitions of aid stations, something that people of my generation would have never done. Similarly, John Ray, again, go watch Ryan's video of John Ray. You'll get a sense of the professionalism that he embodies getting his workout done six o'clock in the morning on the track, riding his bike to work at RMI, saving the world, and then getting his uh, gym work done in the afternoon. So opening it up to the meta conversation of just the level of athletes in the sport right now, level of athletes in the race this weekend, and your guys' sort of perspective on, on how that's matured and evolved in recent years. I mean, I think you've gotten to witness it firsthand, but I, and I want to say that, you know, Hayden, I think is probably one of the more fortunate people in the sport, yes, he is hyper-professional, but I think he has the support to be hyper-professional and that does not necessarily trickle down super deep in the sport quite yet. I think that brands will continue to step up to make that possible, but a lot of these folks are working professionals um, and or live in places where making it out to Arizona is a bit more of an ask, but I do think that people are setting themselves up well in their day-to-day -day lives and or coming out for mini training camps, et cetera. But I want to, I just like, think it's important to, to qualify that a little bit is that, you know, some athletes were who have traveled internet in internationally have come in a couple of weeks early, but otherwise I think it's like, it's, it's hard to also do that if you're not necessarily making enough money to quote unquote, go all in. So really, really cool to see it continue to evolve, but I know that it's just not the reality for so many of these athletes too. That's why I use the example of John Ray, right? Cause he still does have a full-time job. But if you watch the video, like he's getting up pre-dawn, getting his workout in, then riding his bike to work all day and then still getting his gym work done in the afternoon. But it's a very good point, right? Some people have the luxury to be full-time professional athletes. Most people don't. Matt, any comments? Yeah, I think, you know, this, the sport of ultra running is rising, and I think uh, there's a lot of incentive to do well at some of these golden ticket races. Um, there's a lot of incentive to get into Western states if you're trying to be a professional athlete. There's money on the line. There's status on the line. There's a lot riding on it. And so I think we're just getting to a point now with as much depth as there is in this sport where you can't leave a stone unturned if you want to, like, have a good day. I mean, um, whoever comes out on top in, in this race is going to be somebody who did all the, all the right and all the right things and all the little things and set themselves up for success. So, yeah. You know, what's just popping into my head is Anthony Costales last year came in unsponsored. Chico state Jersey. Chico state Jersey, right. Unsponsored. And that was one of the things that we talked about, I think in our end of year trail runner of the year podcast is he was like, yeah, I, I kind of wanted to go to CCC, but I was still working things out with, the sponsorship that he ended up signing at the end of last year. But he was like, it's expensive. I can't just go to CCC and do it, even though we all recognize Anthony Costales can win any race in the world. So anyway, an interesting landscape. But even if you are unsponsored, doesn't mean you can't come to a race like Black Canyon. Use that as your foot in the door, a way to make your name for yourself. And we'll talk about that later in our show. Yeah, I just also want to say is that you, you can care about a hobby like pretty intensely, like even if you're not making your living in the sport or even if it's maybe it's like, I sometimes joke that my running income feels like passive income because it's like I'm actively working for it, but I can't like budget with it, yeah. right? Like I have no idea how much money I might make, et cetera. So I feel like at the same time, I've got to keep all the other balls in the air, but you're, you're riding that balance of like, I can still care about it a lot. Even if I'm uncertain, I'm going to make money. Even if I'm not making money, it's one of those things where it's like, you can still be doing the little things. You can still be making sure you get enough sleep and sneaking in that workout early or late or doing treadmill miles or whatever it is. Like, I think that people are like, well, if I'm not making a living at it, why would I put so much time into it? And I think that it's just important to remember that you can care immensely about a hobby 
even if it's not quote unquote your profession. Yeah. And so sometimes you have to create those opportunities for yourself, make that investment, travel to that race, give yourself a chance to then make a name for yourself and enjoy the benefits that come as a result. Matt, I think you mentioned that, you know, a couple other people who traveled down to do training camps on the course. Yeah. It seems like, I mean, just scrolling through Instagram <laughs> over the last uh, few weeks, it's like every other story was somebody out on the, on, on the course training. And so, um, it's really cool to see, like, I mean, the, the first year I did it, I, I'd never run a trail in Arizona and I just came out here and stayed in a little motel six in Phoenix and showed up, didn't know what was going on. And it's really cool to see the evolution of the sport and like, you know, what it takes to, to really be familiar with the course and set yourself up for a good day has changed a lot just in like four or five years. And that's really neat to see. Yeah. And I think we've got some, some, uh, folks too, who we're still doing a lot of remote work. And so we've got some young snowbirds, I will call them where they might spend their, their summers in Colorado, but they're spending their winters in Arizona. I know a number of Canadians who have been doing that as well. So I feel like we've got some, some young snowbirds in the trail and ultra community where we migrate to, uh, the Arizona desert to um, get out of the snow, get on some dirt, et cetera. And so I think we're seeing a little bit of that as well. We also saw um, folks like Shay Aquilano come over to um, Coldwater Rumble a couple weeks ago. So mm-hmm. came out for that weekend, didn't necessarily come out to train on the Black Canyon course, but came out to get a 60K in and train on the course. And so I th- or train, train on similar terrain. And I think that that stuff can be really advantageous. We saw Hannah Allgood last year come out and do like a little mini training camp for a weekend. So I think there are ways to to fit it in, even if it's not super, super convenient to come and do a mega block. But if you can get in for a long weekend or something, all of a sudden, just like getting out of the snow for 72 hours can go a long way. Uh, it's just popping into my head. Arizona is a winter training ground across a lot of different sports. I know Heather Jackson started coming out to their home in Tucson when she was in the middle of her professional triathlon career. There's a lot of professional cyclists who train in and around the Phoenix and Tucson area this time of the year, and even baseball players, right, Ry? This is like spring training HQ for uh, for baseball too. Yeah, there's so. a mega golf event going on this weekend. Exactly. You know, it's like you can't the get a rental. Management you can't, open. You can't get a rental car because it's like, oh, there's something going on. So we got to really work on this weekend scheduling thing. It's so cool. All right, the other thing I wanted to talk about, we glanced on it yesterday, is just sort of like the racing dynamic. And as I was thinking about it this morning. The race has been won in both the men's and women's races in totally different ways the last three years. So just for our audience here, 2021, Tyler Green come from behind victory. 2022, True Heart Brown led wire to wire, came out of nowhere uh, to win in spectacular fashion. And then last year, Anthony Costales and Tom sort of in that pack group before they eventually separated from the field and Anthony got the decisive move late in the race. In the women's race, Brittany Peterson in 2021 basically led wire to wire. 2022, Claire Gallagher came from behind. 2023, Keeley and the women's pack was together late in the race last year until Keeley finally made that decisive separation, broke the elastic on Heather Jackson late. Point is, there's a lot of different ways to win this race. Comments, commentary from our hosts here. Yeah, uh, I love unpredictable racing. I, this is what, what made trying to do some fantasy picks so hard is because you look at each athlete and it's like, oh, they could do this. They could lead from the wire. But it's like, that's only happened once in the last five years. You know, there's so many different dynamics that could play out. And, and, um, I don't, you know, I don't know that this is what makes black Canyon unique is, um, you get just mega talent all lining up and we're not going to have a clue what happens until probably 50 K in, you know? So 
I'm, I'm lost for words. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of human factor at play. We talk about that in like backcountry skiing and stuff. The human factor is important. And I think that there's a, there's a pack mentality, but there's also a, you look at these individuals as characters, as, you know, what do they, what do they like to do? You know, it's like, we know Heather Jackson likes to race aggressively. We know, um, we know there's a Chinese athlete in the field um, on the men's side. And it's like, we know the Chinese athletes like to go out really aggressively. We've got some newer faces who are road marathoners, you know, like, are they going to get in over their head early or someone whispering to say like, cool your jets a little bit. We've got young guns who might be hungry, et cetera. So I think that they're some of that, like how it plays out in the win is also about who's in the field and what their specific race qualities tend to be. And so, and then you, well, we mentioned yesterday, we got three men that already have golden tickets. We've got one woman with a golden ticket and one woman who probably won't take a ticket on the women's side who are all, who are all factors in this yeah. race. And those things change race dynamics. And I think that that in and of itself is really interesting. So just for our viewing audience here, like what happens when somebody pulls a true heart Brown, right? How does that impact the psychology of the other men and women in the field who are in all likelihood in most cases this year here to chase a golden ticket? Yeah, it, it's, it's really hard. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you're going to be in a position if like, let's just say there's a, another true heart Brown takes off from the gun uh, and immediately puts on, you know, I don't know, five minutes before the second aid station. It's, it's tough. You got to decide, okay, do I go with him and risk blowing up or is this my chance? And maybe I have a breakthrough. So it, it comes down to, um, it's a mental game and it's all who's going to be strongest up here. And, yeah. um, at the end of the day, like those are going to be the people that, that have the best races. So I think black Canyon's a race, um, where guys can guys and women can go out hard and lead from the gun. And if they're having a good day and they're in a positive mind frame and, you know, feeling good, then they can take the whole thing. But, you know, it takes one, one thing missing a, a gel or tripping over a rock to, ruin that whole game plan. So yeah, yeah it, rushing an aid station exactly. unnecessarily. I think that the other factor there is that the men and women in the field will be there. There will be people on their list who they think to themselves, I can let that person go because they're going to come back mm. more than likely. And I think when true heart Brown did that, the field probably thought he's going to come back and he everybody didn't. thought that yeah, everyone thought he was going <laughs> to come back. And so I think that there are probably like in the men's field and women's field, there are people that, that like that they are not going to want to get away. And they're going to be people that they're like, Mm, we can like let him go, yeah. et cetera. And I think that, or her go. And I think that that is part of that race strategy. And, and sometimes that person stays away. The breakaway can win the race. But I think that it's always about like, there will be decisions made based, like, based on who is maybe making the move. Right. And if the group thinks that they need to rein that in or not. For example, like if Ryan Montgomery thought, I've got my golden ticket, I'm taking a chance here today. I'm taking it to everybody. Let's see how that impacts or splinters the field out. The, then the people who are there specifically to get a golden ticket, not necessarily to win, they can say, all right, we're going to let him go because he's got his ticket. It'll bump down to me anyway, right? Interesting yeah. things for our audience to keep in mind. And again, we've talked about this. We've talked about this uh, a couple of times here throughout race weekend and throughout race week, we will offer objective proof that this is one of the most competitive races to happen in the United States here a little bit later in our show. Ryan, it sounds like we have a, a question in our chat here. Yeah. 
Okay, so this is building off uh, what we were just talking about. For those who couldn't hear Ryan, the question in the chat is, people like John, Heather, Cole, Ryan, do we see them go hard off the front, take their chance, knowing that they're sort of playing with house money? I think so. I don't. Really? Yeah, I think I think these guys are guys and girls are, are in here to kind of get get uh, a competitive race in before Western states to kind of like you know race and have that experience with like being in a pack and, and going through that you know the motions I guess. Um, I I don't think it changes the fact that it's still going to be a really fast race on both sides, and I think maybe there's a point in the race where they go, but. I feel like, I mean, I don't know, but Heather, it's hard to predict. Because, I feel like Heather you know? races to win. Yeah. Yep. So yes. I'd say that Heather's like, she has nothing to lose. She always races to win. I don't see that changing. But I look at people like Cole and, or not, and I guess not Cole specifically in this, but both Ryan and John ran at Havelina. John needed a ticket there. John got a ticket there, ran an amazing race. Ryan went into that race saying, you know, I want to break the course record. Right. Like I'm going for the course record and I can see that being the mentality here. I don't know what Ryan's plans are for the race, but I do think that, you know, you get into this environment and sometimes you're right. They're just looking for a competitive tune up and they might not, they might not take it out hard and risk it because they're looking just to like be in it, get a podium finish, get that nice little bonus from their sponsors, do a competitive race, build towards Western States, but they also have nothing to lose. And so if they want to test something out, if they want to race aggressively, like this is a great place for them to do it because once again, they already have that ticket in the States. It reminds me of something that came up in the podcast recently, and maybe this is good for the two of you as professional athletes and coaches. One of the things that John Ray said was be prepared for wild success. And it kind of came off to me as an unorthodox way to approach a race psychologically because we're always preparing for the downside when instead you can come in with that optimistic posture of what happens if this goes absolutely perfectly? Any comments about that or, you know, in general, how as coaches you would advise people to sort of think about things psychologically, preparing for the upside and the downside? I mean, we did that this morning in the Adidas house. Eric Lapuma was laying out his race nutrition and he goes, okay, so this is what I need if, if things go well. And I said, you mean when, like both Eli Hemming and I were like, you know, no man, you mean when things go well, this is what you need. And then he was like, well, if things go well, well, then I don't need this, you know, took more food off the table because <laughs> he'd run faster. But it's one of those things where, Yes, you've got to, you, you have to visualize being able to handle the mistakes that happen out there. But I do think that athletes need to be on the start line, not counting anyone out because then they don't count themselves out. Like, I think you have to go into that mentality of like, it's anyone's day, which means it's my day. Yeah. So cool, Matt. Anything yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think, yeah. um, I love that quote by John, the big cat, you yeah. know, that, that's such a cool <laughs> quote. And, um, I, I love it. I think I tell athletes like in a race like this, you just, you, you need to be ready for literally anything to happen but the one for sure thing is it's just it's going to be a grind and it's going to be uncomfortable for three or four hours you know so there's gonna be three or four hours of this race where you're gonna want nothing but to quit but you gotta remember you're in it and yeah. uh, it's you know a lot of really cool and good opportunities can come out of having a good day that's what i said to andrew bumbleo yesterday too when we had our little crew meeting i said just know man there's gonna be a moment where something goes super wrong something you're totally not anticipating you feel terrible and you know just have the confidence in that moment that it's you're going to be able to navigate whatever adversity you're dealing with and eventually troubleshoot your way to at least a finish, if not a spectacular finish. So anyway, 
Can't wait. It's going to be an incredible day out there. I think one of the things that we should uh, update the audience on is the weather. Obviously, I started the show rocking my sunglasses. This was one of the themes of our show yesterday. Just how might the torrential downpour that we experienced yesterday impact the course and therefore the racing conditions and the racing strategy from some of the top athletes. Corinne, you want to give a quick update on the weather on the ground here? It is now sunny and it's been sunny since about 2 p.m. Yesterday, we had a torrential deluge of rain and then it's really been drying out ever since. And it seems like the weather forecast is a little bit milder and milder as we move towards tomorrow. Um, I think it's going to be a cold start, but we do, if, if the sun and the, the limited cloud cover holds true today, what that means, I believe, is that, you know, things might start to dry out on the course and we might not have maybe as much mud as we were worrying about yesterday, maybe not as slick as we were worrying about. I do think that river crossing after the halfway mark is still going to be wet and maybe deeper than usual. But I, we, from, from right now, no word from Aravipa on a course change, which means I, I'm pretty confident that we'll be on the regular co course tomorrow. I don't see that changing. So, you know, all systems go for it potentially being a faster and faster looking race. Yeah, I agree. I think there's one thing for sure is it's going to be cold at the start. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Gloves. possible snow at the start, uh, yeah. still in the forecast. But, um, you know, when it's really cold at the start like that, one thing athletes tend to do is they neglect fueling early. They just forget it and don't feel like they need it. And I think it's going to be important for, you know, across the board from, you know, front of the pack to back of the pack runners to remind themselves, even though it's cooler, continue to fuel because uh, a fast course like this, that can come back to bite you at the end. What a great point. What a great point. Thanks for bringing that up, Matt. So I think we can transition to the prediction part of our show here. Before we do that, we've been toggling our ballots all morning here in the living room here of uh, Free Trails Remote HQ in our uh, YouTube studio. But I have to give a big thank you to Hoka, who's, of course, sponsoring our coverage here this weekend. Again, go watch the John Ray video. Make our boy Ryan Thrower super proud. Hit the subscribe button while you're here on the Free Trail YouTube channel. Uh, and then obviously go check out Hoka.com. You see we got some cool products on set with us here. I know that there's going to be an update to the world famous Speed Goat coming this summer. Uh, also the Teched In. So get ready for some big summer adventures in the mountain powered by Hoka, Hoka.com. I know also that super shoe. I know a bunch of people were raving about that around the Olympic marathon trials last weekend down in Florida. A big thank you to Hoka for their support. And don't forget, as we get to our predictions, Hoka is also supporting fantasy.freetrail.com. So go get your picks in to have a chance to win a full head to toe kit from Hoka. Second and third place will also get a pair of footwear from Hoka. The title sponsor of Black Canyon 100K of the Western States 100 and of the entire Golden Ticket series. To our executive producer, Ryan, you can stop taking photographs right now because we need you to <laughs> get some <laughs> graphics up on screen here. And as, I, as we uh, get it up on screen, I'll just set it up for our audience here. We've been talking all week and especially in our shows the last two days about the historic density of competition in this year's Black Canyon. We have an objective measurement of that thanks to Travis Longcar, our resident software expert, our resident applied mathematics major and the king of all things fantasy and trail runner of the year. A big shout out to Travis Longcar. The graphic is apparently up on the screen now. So 
to our viewing audience, this is your uh, visual as to what we've been talking about all week. One of the things that we were curious to see in the lead up to our content and our pre-race uh, conversations here was how this year's Black Canyon compared to last year's Black Canyon and last year's Western States. So Corinne, I don't know if you want to kind of set this up for the viewers or if you want me to do it or we're looking at the the tricolored yeah yeah the tricolored graph this is really really cool though yeah. so basically you've got top 10 starters with median itra point place or i guess points on i think it's your left hand side of the screen and then top 20 starters on the right hand side of your screen um again using that itra itra ranking i do believe that we got a note from travis saying on the women's side in particular a note on the 2020 three black canyons with Ingvild Kasperson in that field. Her ITRA score was so, so much higher than the field that it was a little bit of a, a skewed data point. And so looking at that really lining up on both sides to be, you know, overwhelmingly like a nearly as competitive, as competitive as like as Western States, which is a big deal because that has been, you know, from a data perspective and from a anecdotal, how we feel about it perspective, the, most competitive race of the season, basically. Um, and really showing that Black Canyon in this golden ticket position and this super golden ticket position is establishing itself as one of, if not, you know, slowly becoming the most competitive race from a depth perspective in the U.S. race calendar. So, so cool. Matt, do you have anything you want to add here? Yeah, we were talking a little bit off air about this. It, it, just looking at, at the start list for this race and then, thinking about like the names we're leaving off of this start list that will be at Western States, it, the, just the depth in, um, in ultra running right now is just incredible. Like, I mean, there's still probably 15 or 20 people. I, I was thinking about that. Um, you know, that we still like have, uh, that aren't, that aren't in this black Canyon race. And I'm, I'm looking at the start list of this thinking like everybody's in this race and it's like, that's not the case. Yeah. It's, it's just wild. But I think an important note that and the feeling that a lot of us have about this start list is that while we might not have some of the the biggest, biggest stars, and this is not a slight to anyone in the race, like the whole field is incredible. We were just talking before we went on air about how like it's so hard to pick a top 10 for this race because there are legit 30 men and 30 women who could be top 10 yeah. tomorrow. But when we look at ITRA scores, right, we're like we're work like Courtney's not in this race. Jim's not in this race. Tom Evans isn't in this race. So all of a sudden it's like those people with the extremely, extremely, extremely high ITRA scores are not in the black Canyon field. And so those values will skew the data a little, well not mm -hmm. skew it. It's, it's indicative of what we see in the data. And so I think it's important to note that maybe the, the top three ITRA points rank people aren't in this race. The depth of those 20, 30 starters are all still significant, are, are all seriously high. Yep. And so it's like, maybe there aren't 10 people with an ITRA score of over whatever, but the like volume of a high quality athletes in this field is insane yeah. and makes up for the lack of a Courtney DeWalter essentially, which right. is really cool. So I guess the the uh, commentary that Travis added is that the women's race is roughly on par with last year's Black Canyon event, but the men's race, we're definitely seeing an increase year over year uh, improvement in at least measured by ITRA performance index. And now I think we can objectively say Black Canyon has is established as 
the second most competitive race in North America, therefore one of the most competitive, one of the most significant races in the global trail running calendar. So a big shout out again to the Aravipa team for establishing it as such. There was a big vacuum left when the North Face 50 Mile Championship uh, ended in 2019. That was sort of the default end of year, second most competitive race of the season when it was held between November and December for you know 12 or 14 years there. Since that's been canceled, Black Canyon has filled that vacuum very much stepping in as the second most competitive race in the U.S. and getting close to the density that we see at Western States. So big thanks again to Travis for putting that in uh, graph for us so that we could all visualize it together. Ryan, I think you also have a graphic for the top women ranked by ITRA Performance Index. So we'll put that up just for our viewing audience to take a look at this now we can talk as uh, we, we look at this this list you know this is the ITRA performance index it takes in a lot of information into account to create an algorithm to rank the athletes and add some sort of quantification to the performances that they've had in their careers there's some limitations to it we can all agree to that but at least it's a way for our viewers to think about who is globally ranked and therefore globally recognized as some of the highest performers in the world Ryan why don't you show the, the top men do you guys have anything you want to add to to the list here? I mean, I guess the big thing I'd note too, just about ranking an index is that it's, it's, it doesn't take into account like the, the entire body of your work. Normally it's like weighted on the last like two years. If you're a person coming back from injury or pregnancy or whatnot, your rank might not be indicative of, of where you are right now. Um, so I think that that is always interesting to note. We also have people in this field who are newer to trail and ultra who aren't going to have a ranking. Um, so I think it's just like, it's a, it's a cool snapshot, but it, it's still an incomplete system. The same is true with like the ATP, the tennis tour and the world golf rankings. You know, there's limitations to all these things. And same is true with the ITRA performance index, but at least it's some quantifiable way to uh, think about who the top performers in the world are. So big thanks to Travis again for putting all that stuff together. Moving on to our fantasy predictions. Maybe I'll just set this up quickly. Again, free trail. We started this fantasy trail running platform, specifically Travis did almost two years ago. Now we started our race, the Gorge Waterfalls race in 2022. And uh, now here we are in our second uh, full season of doing it, I guess. Yes. Yeah, like almost third full season of doing it. And uh, obviously there's fantasy across all different sports. So this was our take on it. And everybody knows that when you when you participate in fantasy competitions, it increases your investment in the races themselves. Hopefully it increases your investment in the stories of the individual athletes and therefore in the sport as a whole. So that was the whole vision behind us creating it. And we would definitely encourage each and every one of you to go to fantasy.freetrail.com to participate alongside us. A couple Notable scratches since yesterday. Corinne, you want to update us on the women's race? Yeah, I think the notable scratches, in addition to what we talked about yesterday on the women's side, include our Annas, our Anne-Marie Madden and our Anna Mae Flynn will not be on the start line, which is which is devastating. They were two women I was lo looking forward to seeing race, but um, unfortunately cannot race this weekend. So I think those are big notable scratches. So if you're playing fantasy, you want to make sure that you update your top 10 to reflect that. But yeah, so Anna Mae... And Anne-Marie will not be joining us tomorrow. 
So maybe one more word on fantasy before we open it up to our picks too. When you're on the website, make sure you click through and start following your favorite athletes on their Instagram accounts, on their Strava accounts. You can click through to their ITRA performance index and uh, ultra sign up and all these different race result databases too. There's great resources there to formulate your ballot. Who wants to start us out? We're going to pick our top three and then we're going to sort of talk about our golden ticket recipients. You guys want me to get us started here? Matt, you want to start? I feel sure. like it's like ripping off a Band-Aid. Yeah, it is. <laughs> this was so hard. Um, Tears have been shed uh, over trying to eliminate friends and bias from our yes. top tens. Yes, that's that's the hard part. Close friends. We, are, like, we are objective <laughs> commentators actually, who don't care about anyone in the race besides their performances. No, this is a good point. This we Let's caveat this. Let's caveat this to a, you know, a ridiculous degree here. We love and care about every athlete in the field. This is a total wild speculation. Uh, we try and be objective, eliminating our own personal bias. Sometimes that bias sneaks in. I think there's probably examples from all of us where there might be a little bit of bias. But anyway, with that being the caveat, Matt, get us started. Yeah. So I had to treat this like it was a video game pick. Um, <laughs> I uh, So I'm going to start off with the, with the women. Um, I'm going to go three, two, one here. So we'll, I have Heather Jackson in third. Sarah Beal for second and Rachel Drake for first. And um, I know Heather Jackson has the um, golden ticket already. And so I have Lucy Bartholomew, Riley Brady and Allison Baca in a little group fighting for that final ticket spot. And um, I'm pretty confident in those picks. I think Sarah Beal is going to nail it. This is going to be a really good 100K for her. And I'm really excited to see... Um, I just think she's going to have a performance like she had out at JFK a few, a few years ago. I think that her training's been good. I'm, I'm stoked to see it. Rachel Drake, you don't just give up the Olympic trials um, <laughs> for no reason. I think she's she's hungry like we talked about yesterday. She's ready for a big one. Um, and yeah, so that's my picks on the women's side. I won't go you know too far into them. We can talk a little bit more about, about that. Um, do you want me to do the men's? Or do we go gonna ahead and do, okay, do the men, okay, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so for the men, same thing. I'll go three, two, one. I have... The big cat, John Ray for third. The big uh, cat. So is that his nickname now? Well, you got to go g follow him on Instagram and go look at his uh, most, I think it was his most recent post. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. So we got John Ray for third, uh, Cole Watson in second, and my boy Hayden Hawks for first. Um, I know John Ray and Cole Watson both have the tickets. And so again, I have a little pack of my guy, Adam Mary, Andy Bumbleau, Eric LaPuma, Ryan and Ryan Montgomery, all of them kind of trying to fight for that, that next, uh, those next two ticket positions. Cool. So I think it's going to be a battle. <laughs> Ooh, that's how I feel about it. Um, <laughs> yeah, this, this field is, is kind of insane and it's definitely like, I'm so excited to watch it play out. I was joking that I was like going to be stuck at the finish line. And what was I going to say? I was like, Oh, right. I'm on, I'm live doing the live commentary. I'll get to see everything. Um, so I'll do three, two, one as well, starting with the women. So in third, I have the young and mighty, darling Shay Aquilano, um, Heather Jackson in second. I initially was going to maybe put her lower, but I think the mud's going to dry up and Heather's going to be on a drier, faster course. And then I have our girl, Rachel Drake in first. Um, I mean, I could say our girl to like everyone in this field because sure. that's how I feel about them. But yeah, I just think Rachel's on a, on a burner right now. And I think she really, really wants that ticket and she's going to be in that lead pack, just charging 
all day long and racing smart. She's a really smart racer. She's going to take care of herself out there. And she's got an amazing crew behind her, including last year's women's champion and current record holder, Keely Henninger. Um, I want to give Shay a little bit of an extra shout out because this is her, she's 23. This is her fourth appearance <laughs> at this, at this field. I have no, I've like met her a few times in Seattle and I just think she's amazing. Um, she in 20, when she, her first time at 19 years old, she finished 20th and in just over 12 hours, the next year took two hours off that time. The next year took another hour off that time. So last year she ran 9.08 here. And when I ran into her on a trail run a couple months ago, I said, so you're going to take another hour off your time, right? And she's like, I don't know if that's possible. But I do think that Shay's like just really like has got the experience on this course as a smart racer and mega, mega talented. Obviously, Heather already has a ticket. And so I've got this group of Cat Short, Allison Baca, and Tara Dower fighting for that third third ticket in the kind of that top six group. And I don't know what's going to happen. Um, on the men's side, I'm going to go three, two, one as well. I've got Eric LaPuma in third, um, chasing down a Tim Tolufson in second. Cause he's a good downhill runner, that guy. Yep. And then I've got John Ray in first. Cause I think that dude's stock is just on the rise. And I think he's on a, a real tear right now in which he's just like so confident. And I think that is, um, really, really cool to see. And then I've got, um, kind of like people maybe looking for that third ticket. Um, I do actually have Ryan Montgomery and Cole Watson kind of in that group, but then Adam Mary being that potential third ticket in sixth in my picks right now. And I, my anxiety, my heart rate just like spiked trying to talk through what I think might happen out there. <laughs> Again, just total reckless speculation here, but there's some overlap, some consensus and, and some differences here in our picks. I guess I'll do the same here. Starting with the women, three, two, one, third place. I have Allison Baca, sixth place at the world championships. I'm sure she's hungry to get back to Western States where she finished, I think 13th, two years yeah, ago. Yeah, She got in through the lottery, mm -hmm. um, but was like coming back postpartum, I think fairly early at that point. And she, I think is in a, just a different place right now. Yeah. Anyway, so I've got Got Allison Baca in third, and then like the two of you, I've got Heather Jackson second, Rachel Drake in first. So I think the community consensus is that Rachel Drake and Heather Jackson are probably going to be in those community picks. They're probably very popular across not only our ballots, but across a lot of people's ballots. And you guys have sort of covered both of them. They're both wildly talented athletes. Heather, I think one of the coolest stories in the sport over the last couple of years, her first year running trails in her first full season, she finished fourth in ultra runner of the year. And here she is back racing Black Canyon for the second time. And she loves these areas on a races and Rachel Drake. I just think the world of her, I think she's just such a mega talent and she can compete across any surface, any distance as Sage Canada likes to say men's race, third place, my guy, Andrew Bumbleo. He's going to run a savvy first hundred K. The dude is an absolute talent and critically his mind is in the right place. He's not stressed. He feels no pressure. He's just here to have a good time and compete. And the dude is a competitor. And and doubling his distance though, which I think is going to be like, that's the question mark, right? He ran going three full 50 Ks in training. And Heck as we yeah. all know, it's not that much different. You extend past 50 K. I tend to think that the quote unquote hundred K debut is an overrated consideration to the downside, right? In other words, you take somebody like Andrew Bumbleau who raced for the Bowerman Track Club professionally for 10 years. The dude knows how to be a professional athlete. He knows how to compete against the best. 
Obviously, he comes to totally foreign territory, different terrain. I would be concerned if he came in like, I'm going to take it to these trail guys. Like, like they're, not, they're not on my level. He's not like that. He's totally humble, totally chill, no pressure, and just happy and excited. That's a good place to so come into it. I right? wanted to pick him to win, but my heart tells me that's probably a stretch in your first trail race. Andrew Bumbleo in third place in my picks. Second place. Corinne's athlete, Eric LaPuma. Again, oh. I just have a feeling about this guy, man. 28 or 29 years old, something like that. Young dude, East Coaster, consistent, uh, shows up and I think uh, is ready to have like kind of one of those big kind of breakthrough moments and punch his golden ticket to Western States where I expect him to have an even bigger breakout. And in first place, I have John Ray, the big cat. John double play Ray. Um you know, self-explanatory. The dude is on a heater, flies under the radar, but absolutely surgical execution at Havelina in the fall and spending some time with him in Boulder on the track with you, Matt Daniels. Question for you. Go ahead. Is Bumby taking that ticket if he gets it? Absolutely, he's taking that ticket. So anyway, John Ray is my expected champion, which you picked also, yeah. right? Yes. So some overlap here, like I said. So now... To the ticket convo, I have MK Sullivan in fourth. So Heather Jackson's got the ticket. MK wouldn't take it. So that would bump down theoretically to Riley Brady, who I have in fifth place on my ballot. In the men's race, John Ray, John Ray's ticket would bump down to fourth. I have Adam Mary there. So that's my my golden ticket team. Lapuma, Bumbleo, Mary, women's race, Rachel Drake, Allison Baca, Riley Brady. Getting those tickets. Yeah. So we will revisit these picks on Sunday. You can get in the chat. Tell us where we're right, where we're wrong, who you're rooting for, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, while we're on the subject of the community picks, a funny thing that Travis brought up too. Again, once picks close on Saturday morning and you go to fantasy.freetrail.com and go to the Black Canyon event, you'll see the uh, consensus or the hive mind uh, results of what the co community picked on average or in aggregate, right? And last year, the aggregate community pick would have finished 34th overall. So just a, another funny thing to keep our eyes on is to what extent does the hive mind of the trail running community map to the actual results of the race too? Is this when we get to share Liam's picks? I was just a perfect yes. segue here. So Aid Station Fireball won the the entirety of fantasy free trail last year. And because of that, we're making him share his picks publicly. And Dylan has them I was on out, his phone. I was out running this morning and I was like, ah, oh, it would be cool to get Liam's picks because as Corinne said, he is our reigning champion. Nobody's proven they're a better fantasy predictor than Liam Tryon, AKA aid station fireball, who will absolutely be in the chat throughout race weekend. Here are Liam's picks. He's got, Hayden Hawks for the win. John Big Cat Ray in second. And then his moderate spicy pick, Dan Green from West Virginia in third. Spicy. We, we haven't mentioned Dan Green at all, but what a fun character that guy is. And, and it's, it seems like his stock is rising. Yeah, stock is rising. Women's race, Liam's got Heather Jackson for the win, Rachel Drake in second, and Cat Short in third. Cat Short, Canadian? Uh, Canadian, but lives in Hawaii. Okay. All right, there, so those are, are Liam's three, picks. There are three cats, and I think that we're going to have a replay of CCC where it was like, Emily, Emily, and Emily are in two, three, and four, and we're going to have cat, cat, and cat <laughs> are coming to the aid station together. 
Oh, this is so fun. I love it. So a couple more things I wanted to do here with the two of you before we sign off. One, I wanted to do like a stone cold lock. Like we've been speculating a lot about what might happen. What is the thing we all feel the most confident in? The second thing that I wanted to do before we sign off is like a breakout performer that people can keep their eye on. I'll get us started with a stone cold lock here. My stone cold lock, Ryan Montgomery will be in the top five. I have him fifth on my ballot, but I just feel very strongly the dude's so consistent. He's so experienced. He has so much self-belief. It seems like his training's gone well. So uh, Ryan Montgomery, top five, stone cold lock for me. Corinne? My stone cold lock is that we'll have 40 men go under course record pace at mile 12. (laughs) That seems predictable. Usually is year after year. (laughs) Uh, mine, mine is um, somebody with a golden ticket will be in the the top three on either the men's or women's side or maybe even both. Yeah, so it will roll down. It will roll in down. other words, yep. in other words, I guess we didn't touch on what the finishing time is. Are are we going to see course, course records? records? You I, said yeah. I don't know if you want to share what Hayden Hawk said here live on camera, but uh, yeah, I mean Hayden's Hayden's thinking seven twenty is completely possible, which you know I yeah. mean. Uh, with the way the weather has been, I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past. So for that. context, Anthony Costales took 20 minutes off the existing course record on the original course last year. This would be Hayden Hawks taking another 12 minutes off that, or somebody. Hayden thinks somebody. it's possible. 720. I think I think if the if there's like a number of men pushing each other that we we could see something like that happen. I think that's why we saw the performance on the women's side last year is that we had a number of women really pushing each other. Mm-hmm. And so I do think that we've got a course record watch on both the men's and women's side this weekend yeah. in a bit, in a big way. I, I would say it's probably likely we see one or both of them go down. If conditions remain the same here that we're experiencing here today with the caveat that it's not going to be another 12 minutes. I don't think Keeley took, I think three minutes off Brittany Peterson's time last year. Anthony took 20 off, I think it was Sage Canada's time. I think if it lowers, it's like high, high 720s 720s for the men. I agree. Yeah. I think, I think anything. And what, like 830 for the women it would be? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Something like that. So if I'm right and Shea Aquilano takes another hour off of her PR, which is 908. Low eights? Low eights, maybe. Oh my God. (laughs) Okay. Breakout performers. Who wants to get us started? Like who's somebody who we haven't spoken about much who you think is going to make a name for themselves this weekend? I think on the women's side, I Lauren Puretz has been in the golden ticket hunt like for years now in so many different races. She's been in that like top five. I think she's going to have a, a breakout performance. I don't know if it's going to be quite good enough again to get the ticket with this lineup, but I think um, she's one to kind of watch out for. Um, her training has been un- unbelievable. She's out of Colorado Springs. If, if you're not familiar with her, um, check out her Strava and the work she's been putting in. But I believe she's coached by Megan Roach. So, mm. you know. Um, and then for the men, I think w- there's a group of kind of younger runners like Matt Seidel, Chris Myers. Um, Hans Troyer. Hans Troyer. Yeah, I mean, there's so many. <laughs> this is crazy. I think um, – I, I f- I'm really feeling Chris Myers and Matt Seidel are going to have kind of a, a breakout performance. One, Chris Myers just moved to altitude, so he's got a little bit of that stimulus. Where'd he move? To Boulder. Okay. Yeah, he's in Net Boulder. From now, LA. So. Up and coming Boulder boy. Yeah. yeah. He's living up a little bit higher too, um, closer to Net- Netherlands. So cool. um, getting that stimulus. And then um, Matt Seidel's training has just been 
insane. So if he can put it together um, and, and, and race smart, he's, he's a guy that I think could have a really good day as well. Yeah, I think that there's some people that we've talked about that I feel like it could be a breakout for them. Like if MK Sullivan sticks the landing, I would consider that, you know, stepping up in distance. That would be that would feel like a, a breakout performance. I also think someone that we have not mentioned on the women's side is Nicole Hansen, who's a Flagstaff, Arizona gal. Um, we featured her on You Made It Weird last week. So if you want to learn more about her, you can go over to freetrail.com and scroll back, I think, three three articles and you'll find a little bit more about her. But she won um, the frenzy mountain 50 miler earlier this year over Ellie Pell seems really, really fast and really, really grounded. So I'd kind of put her in that, that potential breakout category. It shouldn't be a breakout for Alison Baca, but I still think no matter how she does, if she's top five, people will consider it a breakout for her, which I think is, does her history a disservice, but, um, will hopefully cement her name more firmly in that group. I'm watching the same men that you are. We've got this, this, like this group of young up and coming guys who I think are just really, really hungry. Um, someone that we've not, or Bobby PV was in that, that group oh, yeah. as well yeah. that we like to have not talked about at all. Um, and then I think, the I think he other, was at Georgetown in the Andrew Bumbleo days. Yeah. 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 Just like, you know, someone who could absolutely throw down as what we haven't mentioned Rod Farvard's name at all. And it's like, should not I be a break, should not be a break breakthrough for him. But like, once again, just someone that I Dude, feel like Rod, Rod's been off. training in the Bay area for, or he, he was there for probably like a month. And we, I went running with he and Nick Handel and Patty O'Leary and dude, dude Rod absolutely shredded me. And then we finished and Rod went back out for another hour and a half. Does not like, surprise me at all. And then God. the other person that we've like not talked about at all, who could very much be a factor in, um, the men's race tomorrow is a Chinese athlete named Yu Pei Kwan, who is just, and I don't want to say prototypical Chinese athlete, the Chinese athletes race a lot and they win a lot and they race hard from the get go. From I don't even see his name on. He's fantasy. on the very, 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 oh very my bottom. Gosh. Okay. Um, because he doesn't have an ultra sign up rank. And I so got a toggle. I got um, a toggle. you got a toggle. And, but if you go to like his UTMB index, you know, he was, um, second at Hong Kong, um, hundred K he was second at the hundred K at Doyenthanon. He won, um, another hundred K in November. He won 200 Ks in November, a hundred, 115 K in October. Like the, so the, much racing. The, the, the Chinese athletes race a ton. And you know what else they do? They hit the gas hard. Early. And so yeah. it's like, it's a person that if we're having some a trouble IDing, we'll have trouble IDing people at the beginning of the race, no matter what. But yeah. he is someone who I imagine will be a factor at the front of the race early because that like, it's just, it's so it's, I love, I love it. Mm-hmm. but that's a person that we've not talked about who will likely be a factor tomorrow in some capacity. Great. Well, Matt stole one of mine. I was going to say Matt Seidel, Bay area zone. I think this kid Bay is, area bandit, Yeah, Bay area bandit. He's, he's young, he's hungry. And now he's like pretty experienced. He was 10th here last year. I could see him battling his way into the top five here in 2024. And, and Ryan, Ryan will kill us if we don't mention Noah Dussault. Noah Dussault, fifth place last year, Seattle. Seattle, baby. Fifth place last year. Yeah, I know. And, we haven't even and, we, and, and he's like, insane. not going to be people's top 10 at all. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. And then uh, we, we've mentioned her name, but I just think Tara Dower is a really interesting person to keep our eye on and, and sort of in that bracket where she's made a name for herself. But Black Cane is an opportunity to go from being like fairly established regionally and sort of, um, you know, in, in the really hardcore 
circles of fans, like the three of us sitting here, but Tara Dower, super talented and versatile. And when you perform on this type of stage, it takes you to sort of the next level in your career. And I see her sort of at that precipice of going into sort of that, that next echelon upper, of yeah, athletes. Upper, upper yeah. echelon. And she actually, I, someone slid into my DMs yesterday saying that I, I, I called it right yesterday during the show with my mention of Tara Dower and kind of what I expected out there. And they said that she did change coaches around the new year. So working with Megan Roach now, I was a Carl Meltzer athlete for a long time. And I was like, cool, maybe that means we're going to be paring down that race calendar just, just <laughs> a smidge, but just a, a total, like she's an amazing athlete. So I think really excited to see if she can take that next step up this weekend. Amazing. Well, guys, this has been so much fun. Why don't, before we close, give us a quick update of what you guys are going to be doing tomorrow. Where can we expect to see you? What are your responsibilities, Matt? Start with you. Yep. Yep. So I'll be out there crewing out of Mary. Um, Seth Ruling and I will have a, a little Boulder Boys the Boulder game. Boys. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So we'll be out there um, crewing him, pacing him, hopefully bring him into the finish, get a, get that golden ticket, and then we can uh, celebrate with a nice Boulder Boys podcast at the end. <laughs> so that's our plan. Yeah, we'll bring bring all you guys in studio here. We'll do a little crosscast. That'd be cool. Oh, Subscribe, God. Boulder Sunday Boys. Sunday morning crosscast with the go. Boulder Boys. Awesome. Done. We've got our plan set. Um, I will be everywhere this weekend. I think I'm actually going to run and work tomorrow morning and totally miss the start, which feels kind of nice. And then I will be in the booth at the finish line calling on the live commentary with Skylar Hall from 10 a.m. until 5.30 p.m., welcoming in our champions. And then I'll be handing over the mic and we've got coverage all the way through until 4 a.m. And then I will be, I think, running around a little bit with you guys on Sunday. Supposedly, I might have some in-the-field duties on Sunday as well for the 60K. So it's going to be a busy, a busy weekend of live broadcast shenanigans. An ultra marathon of talking, running, broadcasting, spectating, cheering, Crewing and pacing, I will be with my boy, Andrew Bumbelow, out there on his first ultra marathon. I can't wait. It's exactly what I need right now just to be part of it. The inspo. To, to help somebody who's got, you know, good fitness and a lot of talent and a lot of excitement. It's exactly what I need. I view it as a tremendous honor and I really, really look forward to it. So we'll be out there in the field. Ryan will be taking a bunch of photos. Make sure you follow Free Trail on Instagram. We'll probably be putting some stuff up as we cruise down the course tomorrow. Um, but yeah, make sure you also follow along, hit the subscribe button. We're going to be back here in studio on Sunday for our post-race show tomorrow. Make sure you subscribe to the Mountain Outpost YouTube channel. I actually think the link to that I put in the description of today's show. If not, you can find it easily. Final reminder, fantasy.freetrail.com. Go get your picks in. A big thank you to Hoka for their support of our coverage here today, yesterday, and throughout race weekend. Final words, Corinne, Matt? I'm just, I'm, I'm stoked. As a fan, this is going to be like the best weekend ever. So, um, yeah, if you see me out there, come say hey, and I'm stoked. And- yeah, let's go. <laughs> yeah, like let's get this going. Like I'm not gonna sleep tonight at all. I'm right. like I've got the chillest like morning start of anyone in the Adidas house, and like I'm not gonna sleep a wink. I'm so just like amped and ready to kick kick off what feels like the beginning to 2024. It is the beginning. So get your long run in this afternoon, or get up very very early tomorrow. Race starts at 7 a.m. Broadcast starts at 6:30. Mountain Outpost YouTube channel. We'll be in the chat throughout the day, even while we're cruising around the course. Corinne's going to be in the booth starting at 10 a.m. The best commentator in the game. Wish I could be there with you, but I'll 
have my own things you're going busy. on. You're busy. You're busy boy. Skylar will be great. You guys are, are both fantastic. So really looking forward to the broadcast too. Thank you to Ryan Thrower, our man behind the camera here, Uh-oh. our major producer. For Krim Malcolm, Matt Daniels, I'm Debo. We'll see you tomorrow and on Sunday. Peace out.